Oh, hey, girl. It's Tess Rouse and Christina Beattie. We're the co-hosts and creators of Authentically Wild. A podcast that may literally transform your understanding about life, relationships, and your healing journey. So get ready, girl. Shit's about to get wild. Hi, everyone. It's Tess. And Christina. Welcome to today's episode. So many people want to change, but find themselves repeating the same patterns over and over again. The will is there, but why can't we step through it? Today, we're going to dive into what stepping through change looks like, why there's resistance there, where that comes from, and what's on the other side if you can stay the course. So why is change so hard for us? Why do we resist it? You know, I think about my own experience in resistance to change, and I've had this a lot throughout my life because I've always been someone that has loved certainty. I've loved safety, like certainty, because the safety that can be found within that. And when we think about resistance to change, there can be so much that comes up in terms of the discomfort that we will feel when it, when it comes to stepping into change, the fears that come up, whether it's fears around rejection, fears of failure, that's a big one, fears of hurting others in our lives because change rocks the boat. It, it changes the foundation. It changes the plan sometimes. And so just being really aware of, for me, it's been very helpful being aware of these things that come up, the fears, the discomfort, um, and knowing that being human, we search for this certainty. We search for this safety. We search for this life raft to hold on to because, because life can feel so uncertain. And recognizing that often when we do resist this change, that's where we get led into rock bottoms. Most of the time that, you know, we talked in our last episode, this, this piece of, we hear the whisper and then we get a nudge. And then sometimes we get a push from the universe and then eventually find ourselves in a rock bottom and wonder, well, how did this happen? Well, often it's those little changes that we're being nudged to make that we choose to ignore that often create these rock bottoms. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you bring up a really good point there that we ignore it. We Mm. should almost dive into like why that happens. And I think ego is our, is our key player there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the ego, I mean, in my work with the ego, what I've come to find is that it plays such an important role for us. And it's this beautiful protective shell that we that we grow from the time that we're younger until now, um, that serves a really important purpose. It creates safety for us and certainty, but it keeps us in this little box mm-hmm. that though it is certain and, and predictable, it's not always what's best for us, especially not necessarily what's best for our soul path and our soul journey. One thing that's been very helpful for me on my journey is holding space for when the ego is showing up, for when those fears are showing up and that uncertainty is there and just asking myself, like, what do I need right now? And how can I help myself feel safe while continuing to move through this? You know, it's like finding, finding a new life raft within us. Ooh, I like that. So often I I used to think I was really good at change but I would say typically I needed to know 
where I was going, where the destination was and, and sort of what was to be expected before I could actually take action. Mm-hmm. And that's not truly making big change because I needed to still know how that was all going to unfold for me. We want to control, we want to see what's in front of us and what's coming. And so I'd say I was good at change, except when it threatened my identity. We, we could say our identities become our own prison. Uh, Mm -hmm. that the ego likes, you talked about a box, right? Well, think of it like a cell. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Which, which is great. It's a survival mechanism, but when you're looking to make real change in your life or transform who you are, maybe get back to who you authentically are, that the ego can really take a toll on that. When we have to let go of pieces of our identity or things that we've held on to so tightly to make room for something new, there's uncertainty in that there's mm-hmm. fear in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely a survival mechanism. Like, like you talked about there to, to not want to venture. Right. So a lot of people I feel have the will to change. I really want to start exercising. I really want to expand into this career path. They truly want it. But then when push comes to shove, they just can't ego tells a narrative, right? It tells us a story that, you know, compounding, depending on your age, after maybe 30 years, that story becomes pretty ingrained. Like we know the chapters, we know where we're going. Mm-hmm. And when things start getting injected that require change, it means we're, we're venturing away from that narrative. And now we don't know how the story ends. We don't know what to expect in the next chapter. And so if you can almost become aware of that ego and see it and feel into it, why is that fear coming up? Maybe that's where some of that change can, can actually begin to move forward. In my healing journey, I learned that because of some of the things I had experienced in my life, some of the, the trauma that I had experienced and pain that I had experienced, that ego served a really important purpose because it provided me with certainty and control and boundaries, you know, within myself that I didn't feel I had in in some of those moments. Mm -hmm. So there is a level of safety that is created. And this is why I feel like it plays such an important role, but it's finding space for both and holding space for the ego while also creating new safety within yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Integration. Integration. So we're going to talk about a few different things here. Tess and I have both had experienced our own chapters where we have, you know, really had to push through change and see our resistance around that. And we'll talk a little bit about where we're at now in these new chapters in our lives and, and some of the resistance that still comes up. And then hoping to also finish off by providing some strategies and tools that can help our listeners dig into their own resistance and see their, their chapters that they're in and how they can support themselves better through that. So I think about where I have come over the past few years and it can feel tempting to say, I'm not the same person I was, but the truth of that is that I'm actually more who I am now than I've ever been in my entire life. I stripped back so many layers you know, I talked about this in the last episode, just layers of pain and trauma and conditioning and all that good stuff. (laughs) And I'm just more who I am now, but it's taken a lot to get to that. There has been so much resistance to change that I've experienced in my journey. Change in terms of my career, 
change in terms of my marriage, not being in my marriage anymore, being newly separated, but it couldn't all happen at once. You know, you and I talk a lot about the micro macro stuff that, that you can't, you can't expect this, this big change to happen in your life without first doing some of the small pieces. A lot of people talk about the term reinventing themselves. Right. Mm. And, and I think you, you, you make a really great analogy there of sort of that comparison you're you're de-layering to get to truly who you are as opposed to reinventing some other persona reinventing is actually what we've already done Mm. right through programming through trauma all these layers and I love when you said you're digging down to your soul because it's it's like you're going down through those layers to really find at the root who you are I soon, you know, through my healing journey, I soon began to realize that there were certain things that weren't in alignment with who I knew I truly was for the first time. You know, I started to notice those little whispers, those little nudges. And one part of my life, I really noticed this was with the teaching. I had been a teacher for 10 plus years. I loved it. I absolutely loved the work that I did with the kids But I found through my healing journey that I was starting to have a new passion. Hmm. And I found this through starting to share my story a few years ago and just connect with women, especially. And again, these little nudges where you start to notice, hey, like maybe there's this other path, you know, and I think that's where we start to ignore where we start to get the fears that come up of, but, but wait, this is who I've always been. Mm-hmm. you know, that identity piece. And even with my marriage, that person I had been for the last, you know, 10 years, it, it wasn't totally me. And mm-hmm. as I went through my healing, I began to have different values, different beliefs, and I was deeply spiritual and just different. And mm-hmm. that's okay. And I think I fought that for so long. I fought this person that I was starting to realize I was, and that was hard that, that fight. And I guess that fits in with the resistance to change, Mm -hmm. you know, you you bring up a really cool point too, there about you love teaching. Mm. And then as you began to, you know, evolve and change, you had a new passion. And I think that's just really important to point out because we assume we're stagnant creatures that our likes, dislikes, wants, needs always remain the same. But the truth is they don't. We are constantly evolving and changing and that requires ebb and flow in our life. It doesn't mean that around every corner, you're going to remove all of your relationships. But if those pieces aren't ebbing and flowing with you, it can mean that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that. And I think when we talk about change, a lot of the time people feel that that new passion or that need for something different. It could be as small as, you know, maybe a different type of vitamin that they're taking all the way to a career change, but they don't embrace it because they just assume, no, no, we have the career. We love the career. We've been doing the career for 10 years. And so I love that you were able to see that and you were able to follow that passion through. Uh, and now, you know, knowing you and, and the place that you're at now, how fulfilled you are. Not that you weren't mm-hmm. fulfilled before, but you've just taken it to this other level. Mm-hmm. You've been able to elevate your level of fulfillment so much because you really listened. So I just love that idea of we're constantly evolving and changing as well. Uh, and, and you were able to, to see that 
and to, yes. to follow those breadcrumbs. I think there's also a fear that maybe we're going to let others down by changing oh, yeah. or, you know, or change again, the plan that we have for ourselves or, or in that relationship or lose people along the way, man, that's a big one is mm-hmm. that, that loss. And I think being able to sit in that is really important, which we'll come back to as well. But yeah, all the fears that come up with the ebb and flow and we push against that, like, nope, this is the way it's supposed to be. And we're going to be like this for 60 years. And this is the plan and we're going to stick to it. For, for me, I, I think back to my 30 plus years of life and the, the biggest change, the, the first one that I can remember was I, I actually was previously married, uh, high school sweethearts, that whole thing. By the way, when your parents say don't get married till you're 30, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Because you really don't know yourself and you're still constantly changing and evolving, I think throughout your life, but especially up until sort of that mid, not midlife, but you know, into your thirties. For me, there were a lot of whispers and nudges about that relationship. Um, We were very young. We didn't know who we were, who we were becoming as a couple. You know, we dated for seven plus years throughout high school and our adolescence. And then by 20, we were engaged. And I just remember, you know, some of these red flags and some of these nudges, which in hindsight were my intuition, Mm -hmm. but I just remember the fear coming up. This, this, we cannot leave. This was not part of the story. Mm. The narrative is we are going to be high school sweethearts and we're going to grow old together and we're going to have these cute babies and life's going to be perfect. Mm. And I remember fear thinking, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if we're compatible. Ooh, some of our lifestyle differences. I don't know if, if that's going to last us 60 years. Uh, I was changing myself to fit into a life with him. And when you talk about fear of what other people are going to think, how we're going to let them down for me, that's a big part of my ego. And when we talk about stepping through change, that was one of the biggest barriers for me after we were engaged and we were preparing to get married, my fear was heightened, but also my soul was really trying to come through. We should not do this. We should pull the plug. This is not going to work. And I remember being like, oh yeah, it is. We bought that dress. We are walking down that aisle, uh, you know, or wait, being up at night thinking, I can, imagine what people would say if I called off an engagement and a wedding, I would... I'd be on the front page of the newspaper, probably just thinking the mockery that would be made of me for doing something so against the grain of the narrative and the story that my ego had created and that I had thought everyone else had perceived as well. So when we talk about fear and resistance to change, like I felt in every fiber of my being, there was something that was not going to work out here, but I could not step through that fear. I could not do it because that was like a macro change. That was a full change in the identity of who I was. And so I grabbed that really tight. We are getting married and we are going to be living together till we're 100. Well, it's funny because then came sort of my first rock bottom. Maybe, maybe second. (laughs) We'll get into child wounding later on. (laughs) And after a year of marriage, uh, I had to leave. And so it was there was no saving it. It was very traumatic, tumultuous. 
like the universe shook me. I did not listen. Okay. So then I had to take the painful way out. And if I could have just listened and, and really been like, maybe, maybe let's just hold off on the engagement and like slow, slow it down. So I could feel into it, but I couldn't, Mm -hmm. I just couldn't step through that then. And so just wanting to sort of reiterate that story because for other people who are maybe going through some massive change or massive decision in their life, if you're getting those feelings, those nudges, there's a reason for it. And I didn't sit with it. I didn't listen to myself. And that's something I'll never do again. What comes through there as well that I want to point out is we enter into these relationships and these opportunities and these situations in our lives with the best intentions. And I think that there is a lot of hope there that we want it to look this way and be this way. And and I think it's really important to hold space for the grief involved in that hope. Like that, there's there's some of that hope that has to die. Absolutely. And we, we fight that, we fight that. And I think when we do fight that, then we end up staying maybe longer than we should have or doing something longer than we might have if we would have just sat with that uncomfortable feeling of the death of that hope, you know, the way that we wanted it to be, the way that we hoped it could be. And that's okay that it's not. That's a hard one. And I think even back to something you had said earlier as well, which is about finding that safety within yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because for me, the overwhelming fear there was everyone will hate me. I won't be loved. How could I do this to him? How could I create this change in all these people's lives, you know, destroying the narrative and, and probably the hope I had for our future, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned. And I, I didn't have a connection with myself back then. I didn't know who I was. And so I I just think that's when we're going to talk later about, you know, some tips, tricks, how you can work through that is, is really just having those conversations with yourself, uh, finding that safety within yourself, because if you don't, you will rely and depend on everyone else's perception judgment. And that's where then you're not necessarily making the right decisions and, and making the change that perhaps you do need to make. I think it's really important, you know, talking about how you can even begin. And we'll talk about our stories of actually doing that mm-hmm. without necessarily hitting rock bottoms, mm-hmm. <laughs> how you begin to listen, how you begin to make what we like to call micro changes, which typically can expand you into making macro changes because both Christine and I, we didn't just all of a sudden make huge transformative change within our life within a day. There's a number of things that have to happen, but one of them is being able to make baby steps, make small Mm -hmm. steps uh, and see the success on the other side of that so that you can begin to understand that there is not as much fear as you're perceiving in doing that, that there is still safety in changing the narrative and changing the story that you've told yourself. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest pieces for me, as I started to, you know, I think back on the last few years and it feels there was no like stopping point. It all kind of flowed together from one piece to the next. And like, once I started to make the changes in my career, then I started to become more aware of the changes that I was feeling in my marriage. Like you said, it couldn't, it couldn't all happen at once. It, there was more of a, a, a flow to it. But what stuck out too that you mentioned was this piece around rock bottom. Like I essentially just went through 
the biggest thing in my adult life that I've ever experienced, which was my separation. I think the only thing that has kept me from being in an absolute rock bottom is really digging into the connection within myself each day and holding space for the emotions that came up for me as I was moving through it. And still to this day, obviously, like really deepening that soul connection and, and continuing to build that trust within myself. I mean, you know, you and I used to talk, I would sit in contemplation every day. Oh my goodness. Every day, Mm -hmm. pull in those cards, (laughs) come on (laughs) universe, talk to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think this is absolutely imperative when you are making change in your life is you have to spend that time with yourself, contemplating, sitting with yourself. Are you ever a hundred percent sure? No, I don't think so. I've never been again. There's that ego showing up, right. Always giving us that other perspective to worry about, to doubt, to fear, you know, but you have to dig into that connection and doing so allows you to build more trust in yourself and your path and the universe in your intuition, all of that. Yeah. I love that piece that you're bringing up there. Cause intuition doesn't work like that. There is no certainty. There is no map of here's where we are. Here's all the steps. And then this is where we're going to land. Uh, there's trust that has to be formed there. I talk to a lot of people about this self-trust piece because it's so abstract and One of the biggest ways that I have really began to build self-trust within myself over the last few years is showing up for myself every day, Mm. whether that's doing something for yourself, a big piece for me has been keeping a promise to myself each day, because when we think about having trust with someone else, it's keeping promises, it's following through. Yeah, I, I love the analogy you sort of gave there too about after your your rock bottom with your separation, how everything's just flowed, meaning you've just been layering on changes, you know, starting mm-hmm. with your career, which even though I would say that's a pretty big change in comparison to leaving your marriage, it's it's almost micro in a way, right? And so it's interesting because it, it reminds me of a tap. It starts a slow trickle, but then once mm-hmm. you open it, it's just flowing. And so I would say to anyone listening, as you begin to make micro changes in your life, all of a sudden, it's it's almost as if the world just responds to that, that you can handle it now, that you've built that trust within yourself, you've been taking action, and then sort of the, the flow just begins, and it becomes easier, and you contemplate for less time, less fear comes up. Yeah, it's like you wake the beast within you. <laughs> you know, to give everyone else that's listening encouragement. Can you, can you kind of walk us through what stepping through some of that change has looked like for you and, and what's on the other side of that? I'm not drowning. I have a life raft and <laughs> some days I fall off, <laughs> but I think that that's a really important piece to mention is that I still have tough moments. I have tough days. You know, even last night I had a little, I had a little time to myself there were tears and just grieving, you know, the grief comes in waves. And I get this now because I've heard people talk about that when Mm -hmm. they refer to the grief they're moving through, whether it's the death of a loved one or the death of anything for that matter. I get that now because it does come in waves. And, you know, I came across some old videos of the kids and 
me and Brad. And it's, I recognized as I sat with myself, I was watching the videos and, you know, different feelings, nostalgia, grief, sadness, joy, that it, it's not just the grief of my marriage. It's, you know, and I get a little bit emotional, even just thinking about this because it's the grief of that life that I had and this identity that I had for 10 plus years of who I thought I was. And I think it's really important that we sit in this, that we allow ourselves to feel these moments and allow the emotion to move through us because this is part of being human, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't mean we don't make the changes, but maybe it's about making the changes and also sitting in the really hard stuff because that's part of it. It's the ebb and flow. You know, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to feel, you know, so expansive, like you're on cloud nine, like you're going to have dark days and dark moments. And it's what you do in those moments that truly counts because I sat in that last night. And like I have, when it comes up, I sit in it and I let myself feel, and I literally can feel the emotion moving through me. And it is in that holding space that it gets released. Right. And I don't resist it. And you know what? I woke up today and I felt good. And so it's, it, it's not bypassing it, you know, it's, it's, and, and just holding space for the doubts and the fears and allowing yourself to move through it because that's, that's part of it all. We don't just let go of these pieces. Brad's always going to have a place in my heart. He is a good man, but we're just not in alignment anymore. And that's okay. Maybe not to other people, but I've come to peace with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's beautifully said. I feel like you make me cry. <laughs> I'm not sure if people don't make change because when it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. like it feels scary or there's grief there or there's sadness there. It feels that maybe that's the wrong choice. Right. And again, that's our ego coming up. Oh, see, this doesn't feel good. Oh, see, Christina, mm-hmm. you made the wrong decision. And I love that you brought up that piece because yeah, that's the ego. The ego is going to come up and say, like you said, "Mm, this wasn't a good idea. This was a wrong decision. And you better believe my ego comes up. But I have the awareness now where I could sit and say, okay, what do you need right now? If these fears and these doubts are coming up, do you not feel safe? Do you not feel certainty in this moment? How can we create that within ourselves? And also just reminding ourselves of why we choose to do these things. At the beginning of my journey, there'd be lots of fears coming up. Uh, One of the fears actually being around my husband and I thinking we wanted to move to a small town, try it out, like really kind of unearth or uproot our lives and see what would it be like to just be the four of us without family all around, friends all around, like just to be in, in our stuff. And I remember like, well, what about this? And what about that? And this is coming up for me. And I'm scared of this and that, like the laundry list. And you said, well, and this is, I think a good practice for anyone listening. If, if they're going through something, write out those fears that keep coming up, the patterns you're seeing the same ones, 
And then what would your response be if they actually came to fruition? What would you do to show yourself that even if one of those fears happens, you will figure it out and life will go on because in that moment, what I needed was safety, security, because there's so much unknown. And when we don't sit down and almost kind of soften our ego, I like to say, because it's, it's doing that for a reason. It's, it's showing you there's danger in what you're thinking of doing here. And so we need to literally have a conversation with ourselves. Hey, if X, Y, Z happens, here's what we'll do. And here's what will be the outcome of that. And in, in just doing that process and kind of sitting with yourself and going through it, it calms you. Okay. I can handle whatever comes. And then I can still step forward and move through that. Mm -hmm. Talk about uncertainty. I mean, you guys, (laughs) you guys have just jumped off that cliff. And I love that you brought up that piece because I remember us sitting there and you talking and just all the uncertainty and all of the, the doubts and the fears that were coming up, but you guys did it anyways. And I think that that's a really beautiful testament to what can happen when we see the fear and we, we step through it, we hold space, but we step through it. Sometimes I look back at the changes I've made and I go, wow, how did I do that? (laughs) It's, it's been this beautiful unfolding of an adventure I probably would have never taken. If you would have asked me nine months ago, if I'd be leaving my career, even temporarily that I've had for over a decade, like yourself, never mind leaving a community where I have all my family and support for our kids, I would have said, you're crazy. And here we are. Mm. (laughs) And it's been really beautiful. Like, I don't know what the future holds for us, but uh, I knew in my gut, it was something that we both wanted to try. Uh, and I think one of the other tools that I've learned is you maybe know what the the big change is. What are all the little steps in between and not in a controlling way, but how can I inch myself towards making that change? I didn't just wake up on a Monday and say, pack your bags, folks, we're moving. I had to figure out what am I going to do with my job? Is there a house I like there. What will I do with our kids' school? And and sort of almost creating a little bit of a roadmap. How will I get from where I am to where I want to go? And once I could see that, there was a bit of certainty in that. It was manageable. And then before you know it, enough stuff was figured out that then I could jump off the cliff and do it. And here we are. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point there that that's just another you know, undercover way the ego likes to function is here's this big change. You can't do this. It's too big. So let's just shut down, shut it down right now, get back in this little box because it's safe and comfortable here. Mm -hmm. But when you can start to write out some of those little pieces and do some of those action steps that get you towards that bigger piece, it's like the train starts moving, right? Slowly. The train starts moving until eventually you're going at full speed, not so fast that you can't handle it, but just moving enough so that you are in that forward movement, you know? Yeah. So we have talked a lot about change when we feel like it's showing up in our lives and it potentially needs to occur, what the resistance can look like around that. You know, we touched on the chapters of our book that we have kind of just closed in a sense and the new chapters that we're in, 
I think it would be nice for our listeners to, you know, we can end in a way that gives them some strategies and tools if they are moving through their own chapter and are experiencing their own resistance to change. Two of the ones that I've sort of touched on, but maybe I'll just re-summarize here are definitely a list of the fears that are coming up for for you around whatever that change or, or big transition is. And then what would your response be if they actually came to fruition? I would say majority of the time, they're actually not going to come to fruition, but to give yourself that sense of security and trust in moving forward, what are those fears? What would you do? And what would the outcome be? If you want to take that a step further, it's why are those fears coming up for you? You feel unworthy. You feel, and that's could be a whole nother episode about ego and shadow. Girl, you pick up that why. I love the why. I always love the why. And mm-hmm. and yeah, like really digging into okay, if there's if there are fears coming up right now, why? And that's where we can often look at things that have happened in the past that have taught us to stay in the box, mm-hmm. right? And so it's about being able to look at those pieces too. Like it's okay, it's safe for me now to step outside. Absolutely, yeah. And then the the last one I was just going to mention here was trying to, again, look at where you're at right now and where you want to go and what are the baby steps or micro steps you can begin making so that you can begin to expand into that bigger jump that off the cliff. You know, it's, it's a, a lot like new year's resolutions. So someone's like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. It's like, okay, well, maybe the first goal should be uh, no more drinking. And maybe the second goal should be no more snacks after 9 PM or whatever it may be. Right. So those, mm-hmm. those micro steps so that we can actually see the macro realization. Mm-hmm. And in connection to that, you know, one of the ones that, I, that has worked really well for me, actually, that connects really well is why are you wanting to create this change in your life? Right. This has been something that has really helped me along the way, And I dig into my why every single day, especially on the days where I feel that ego activated and the fears and the doubts and all of it come up is digging into that why and really feeling it, not just like, sure, it's great to have it written out and you can read it through, but letting that sink into my body and and feeling how is it that I want to feel? What is it that I want to embody each day? And just really connecting back to that, that has really helped me. It's been that life raft when I've needed it on some of those days. Mm, I love that. And then the other piece I would say would be in regards to, you know, connecting within myself each day, spending that time alone, having boundaries around who you're telling this change too, and what it is that you're saying, because I think it's really important to be aware of why we feel the need to share and who we're sharing it with, because, you know, you got to love the people in your life. They're amazing, but sometimes you might not need advice and you might not get the right advice if you are looking for that, you know, and just being really aware of who you're sharing the information with before you make some of these changes. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And we'll get into a whole session on triggers for sure, but you do need to be very careful of that. I mean, you just even given, given my recent experience of moving, it triggered a lot in a lot of people, mm. even though my move had literally nothing to do with them, but you know, they're then reflecting, why aren't I moving? Why aren't I doing that? But I agree with you. It's being very particular about who 
because when you're still not hundred percent confident, you want to surround yourself with people that are not coming from an egotistical perspective that they are thinking about you and what's best for you and supporting you uh, in, in those good decisions that you want to make for mm-hmm. yourself. Which, which can be really hard with our loved ones, because if they've been there all along the way with us and supported us on our journey, when we make change, that has a ripple effect to their lives as well. Mm-hmm. And so respecting that they're going to have bias there, you know, and they're coming from their own place of love and concern and that the boundary doesn't make you selfish for not talking to them about things or sharing or asking for their advice. It's actually just necessary as you're transitioning. hundred percent. I feel like that is going to wrap us off. So thanks everyone for tuning in. If you want to connect with us outside of our podcast, which hopefully you'll be listening to weekly, mm-hmm. you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow me, Christina, at Christina.soulempowered, both on Instagram and TikTok. And you can follow Tess at Her Unearthed on Instagram and TikTok. All right. Thanks, everyone. We, we hope you guys have a great day. Bye.